Have you ever thought about it? How is the church organized? What is the church really supposed to do? Why does the church do what it does? Find out on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Welcome everyone to Inverse. We are in the midst of a study on the concept of unity. And from week to week, we have covered almost every angle of unity there is. And I think there is a little bit more. Uh, This week, we're looking at church organization. And in some ways, that can kind of be a boring topic. Who wants to spend 28 and a half minutes talking about church organization? But I don't know. I get really excited when it comes to church organization. So I'm going to have Siku pray for us. And then we're going to have a Bible reading. And then we'll get into the discussion. Okay. Let's pray. Loving Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our guide as we open Scripture, that we could understand how we fit into the organization that you have on this earth to represent you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to go to Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 and 27. And Jared, can you read that for us? Sure. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. You know, there's this common phrase that many people are anti-organized religion. Why do you think that is? And is that a fair thing to say? Ezra, just throw it out there. Yeah, I think, well, the reason why people are anti-organized religion has nothing to do with Jesus and has more to do with the people who claim to be followers. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first thing that we need to say. It's people have given Jesus a bad name. Mm -hmm. What's amazing about that is that, first of all, Jesus allows that to happen, Mm -hmm. that he allows us to carry on his name, even though that we're completely unworthy. And secondly, that that doesn't catch Jesus off guard. Mm -hmm. He's not caught off guard. We are caught off guard sometimes by what happens or by how other people represent God or the bad name that we give the church. But that does not catch Jesus off guard. And he actually uses that. He uses the frailty of humanity in order to bring honor and glory to his Mm -hmm. name. Sure. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. Oh, I was just uh, just you're enamored just enamored by with his answer. Yeah. yeah, no, it was a very good answer. I'm thinking also through the annals of prophecy, mm-hmm. Jesus has predicted some of these abuses in the church would happen. Very yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think just to be fair, we need to look at every organization, every system by the ideals by which they espouse, not by the abuses of the original teachings. Right. So there's some organizations that are really bad, but if you look at it, they're actually abiding by their core principles. Mm-hmm. And there are some organizations that are bad, but they're, they're violating their yeah, own internal makeup yeah. of who they are. And when we look at the church and look at the teachings of Jesus, a lot of those, those abuses, Jesus himself would not yeah. agree with. There's, it, it, what you just said reminds me of, I was um, reading a, doc, a document, I was watching a documentary, I was reading a, some text on organized crime in the United States. And one of, the, one of the things that came up with was the discussion of the mob, the mafia. Mm. And... They were talking about how these people are actually just exactly what you said. They're actually following and abiding by the principles of the organization. And so it's like, look, the leader of the mafia 
is doing what he does because that's what the CEO of, that's what the bylaws say that the CEO ought to do. Uh -huh. And so they're abiding very strictly by, you know, the, what, the principles of their organization. Uh -huh. Whereas in some cases, like in the Christian church, many times we're not abiding mm -hmm. by what our bylaws say, which mm -hmm. our bylaws should be the scripture. By our and we also have to need to look at what the organization is trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. We may be against organized religion because of what they are trying aim to do, but there's other organized or, organized organizations, <laughs> organizations that we are completely okay with their organizational structure because we are in harmony with their mission statement. So Jared, let me let me start with you. What is what why is the church organized? What is the the mission statement for the church. Yeah, well, the church is organized for service, mm -hmm. right? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 is a, a good place yes. to start there. Let's start there. Looking Let's at, go the, there. at the purpose of the church and why uh, it exists. You said Matthew? Matthew chapter 28. 28. And looking here at what we call the Great Commission. Great Commission. Right? Jesus has spent his time with his disciples. By the way, he's organized his disciples. Mm -hmm. God presiding over in the Old Testament uh, church organized them into 12 tribes. Jesus calling 12 disciples. This is not you know, an arbitrary random thing that he did, but mm -hmm. Jesus himself is organized and he organized his early church. And then he says here, uh, Jesus verse, came and spoke to them in verse 18. Verse 18, okay. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and, and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Mm -hmm. So Jesus called his disciples. He trained them. He equipped them. He gives them the gift of his Holy Spirit. He's about to pour upon them the gift of his Holy Spirit. But they're organized for service, and their mission is, is to take this message to the entire world, to teach and to preach. That is impossible without some level of organization. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jesus has a plan, and I think it's very reflected in this text. He, first of all, he doesn't just give the Great Commission before giving a preamble, right? He mm -hmm. says, all authority has been given to me. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I read that, and I understand that to mean that God has now invested Jesus Christ, the Son, with authority. And so there's been a change kind of, of presidency, over who's going to rule the world. It's like now I am officially investing you at a specific moment in time to have authority, to be the next CEO of the organization. And so he's saying, because I am now the CEO, because I am now in charge of the church, because I am the president of this organization, he says, I am therefore giving you a command. My command to you is to go and to make disciples of all nations, to baptize, to teach them to observe all these things that I've commanded you. And by the way, I, as the CEO, will be with you always. And so in this thing, you have Jesus as processing time. Mm -hmm. There's a certain point in time where I am receiving, uh, you know, authority. And then there's also a process and an anticipation for the future. So, hey, there's going to be, you're going to be going through some things you might not understand, you might not be able to handle. Mm. And so for those things, I will be with you always, all the way to the end of the world. So my style of leadership, my style of being a CEO, my company culture is I'm investing you to do something and I will be with you if you ever need me. Mm -hmm. And so it's awesome to have a job that you can, where you have a CEO or a boss that when you call, they're going to answer that phone call. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sure we've all worked with people. You call, no answer. 
Hey, call again, no mm -hmm. answer text. Are you there? Mm -hmm. Hey, am I still hired? Have you fired me yet? Oh, my you know? boss is awesome. And so <laughs> now you are you use a lot of uh, CEO language and corporate yeah. and and we get the analogy, yeah. but dude, that is for a for-profit organizations and there are non some or, or, or non-profit. But what would be, if, if we were to follow that analogy, what would be the primary currency? What is the profit for, for the church? And obviously, there is money involved, but money should not be and is not the end goal. Yes, yes or no? It, it Comment is, on yeah. that. Uh, yeah, and that's, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because this is, it, it is a weak analogy of what, you know, ultimately the church is. Just an illustration. Yeah, it's yeah. just mm -hmm. an illustration. Because the Bible, and I don't think there's just one unique illustration of what the church is. Sure. Like when you look at scriptures, there are there many. are many, sure. many, many. Mm -hmm. And so we get a well-rounded perspective. The church is, you know, a group of witnesses. The church mm -hmm. is a flock. The church is a house. The church is so many different things. Mm -hmm. And and the, the, the truth of the whole thing is that God's whole purpose, Jesus' purpose was to blast the concept of, you know, we are an organization that exists for profit or for right. whatever. And so, mm -hmm. I think that going with what the text that Jared read, yes. the commission that God gives to his, that Jesus gives to his followers as he goes up to heaven, go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. Right. So ultimately, as they come together after Jesus has gone to heaven, they're the, what they're thinking in their minds is Jesus left us with a mission is to go and make more disciples. Mm -hmm. Just like we follow Jesus, we need to go and invite other people to follow him. Mm -hmm. And um, thinking about our last season when we talked about the book of Acts in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Um, we, have, we have an illustration of how the organization of the church developed. Um, in Acts chapter 6, you have an issue that arises in the church, mm -hmm. you know, the distribution of, of food and some people are feeling neglected. And as a result of this problem that arises, they, they say that we need to set people to be in charge of the distribution, mm -hmm. right? So in verse 2 of Acts chapter 6, the 12 disciples, these are the people God, Jesus left when he went up to heaven, and you know they're naturally the leaders of this organization. The 12 of them summon everybody together, um, and they said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word and come to serve tables. Mm -hmm. There's a need that arose, but they were busy with studying the word of God in proclamation of the gospel, which is what their mission is. And now a need arises to organize themselves in a way to meet the needs that their fledgling group has come to face. Mm -hmm. And so they call deacons to come and be in charge of serving tables. Mm -hmm. So organization for the church arises out of needs that come in your mission to do what God has called you to do. Mm -hmm. It's not just for the sake of it, like Jesus talked about, you know, it's not just about being boss, you know, just because I want to have a position of leadership. But it's here we have a goal that we need to accomplish. Mm -hmm. What can we do? How do we organize ourselves so that we can accomplish this goal together? And how do we become more effective in doing So there's that? efficiency there. There's unity there. There's accomplishing of a common goal there. Not a hierarchy there for hierarchy's sake right. or a gradation of righteousness or power or finances. Okay, I love that. I love that. Let's actually, Siku, you brought up the concept of leadership. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew 20 talks about how leaders of this kind of organization should conduct themselves. And Jared, can you read that for us? Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 to 28. Jesus called them to himself and said, 
You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In this new organization that God, uh, Jesus has created, how, are the, uh, how is the organization to be ruled or, or, or led? Sure. I mean, Oh, for, when I read this, everybody's stepping on my cup. What's <laughs> yeah, up with sorry. that? <laughs> All right, I got next. I'm, I'm going to defer to my sister. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> when I read this, for me, it's it's really counterintuitive, right? Because um, I grew up in a home where the the older sibling. Lord oh, I feel like there's a hierarchy you. coming on. Yeah. Well, hold that thought. We'll come back to Siku's story about how she survived a hierarchy after the break. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Welcome back. Siku, how did you survive and what's what's going on? You have an older sister and <laughs> I have older siblings. Were you, were older siblings <laughs> were you abused under the system and were you freed? Actually I was abused, right? Um, so uh, I love you, sis. <laughs> but it a lot of times it felt like, you know, okay, so we all have chores and yeah. and it was, you know, I had to wipe the floor, the kitchen floor. And I know this is my chore and I'm gonna go do it. Mm-hmm when people get out of the kitchen, because people are all up in the kitchen. And it was like, you know, you've, as, as my older sibling and in my culture, your older siblings have authority over you. Mm-hmm. Like even if it's a year older, you know, and she's two years older than me. And I was like, go mop the floor. And I'm like, I'm gonna go mop the floor, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, go mop the floor now. <laughs> it's like, I'll go mop the floor and there are no people in the kitchen. Like I said, go mop the floor. It's like. That's what I think about, about when, when the scripture says, Lord it over you. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to take whatever opportunity that I have to exert the authority that I have over you. Mm-hmm. And what the Bible says is, in a Christian community, it's not like that. As a matter of fact, she ought to have been saying, my sister, let me go mop the floor for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And then I'll be like, oh, Okay. Thank you. <laughs> right. But it's 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 kind of topsy turvy. Yes. Yeah, it's it's, it's on its head. Mm-hmm. It's like if you are the leader, the way that you lead is actually by serving, as mm-hmm. opposed to finding every opportunity that you have to exert that the power and the dominance that you have over the people who are quote. So I think it really it really takes efficiency and and uh, importance of the mission and focus and really believes in that so that the leaders aren't just finding more underlings they're wanting to accomplish this too right right? because there's a relational motivation here. Jared. Yeah there is a hierarchy in God's kingdom the hierarchy Archy is upside down. Mm. We talked about CEOs. We, you know, talked about your situation in the in the household. The way up is down, mm. according to mm. Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And he exhibits that in his own life. The authority, when Jesus says in um, uh, Matthew twenty-eight, which we read, all authority is given to me. Is this the CEO authority? Not necessarily. This is the, this is the authority of love, the yeah. authority of grace, his demonstration of that love that draws us mm-hmm. to him. Um, 
dare I say it, Christianity, biblical Christianity, is is many way like it's 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 inverse thinking. You know, it's, you know, you got, in order to go up, you got to go down. Right. In order to be first, you got to be last. last. I mean, it's, it's, and in many ways, outside of the, the pun, intended pun, I mean, Jesus says these things that are so contrary to our knee-jerk reaction to things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and when you think about it, 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 that should be the way things are, but sin makes the other way seem so natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's found there in, uh, you know, chapter 20, verse 26, where, which is what uh, Jared read. Mm-hmm. It shall not be so among you. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's like Jesus is not talking about the fact that we need to change the world to make this Mm-hmm. this way. You know, my job is not to go and say, government, you need to be upside down. Or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. all you nonprofit organizations, you need to be upside down. Or corporate America or corporate world or corporate whatever Zimbabwe, you need to be upside <laughs> down. Right? It, it's, our job is not to do that. Right. But he says, among you, wherever you have authority, wherever, whatever piece of the pie you have, right. don't let it be that way among you. And the, the crazy thing about the philosophy of God and of Jesus is that he comes not to modify the structure that is already in place, mm-hmm. but to build a completely different new one, new structure. Mm-hmm. And if I can, if uh, in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew 6, Jesus kind of, or Matthew 5, sorry, he brings this up in another way. Five. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that the philosophy that Jesus has, it permeates everything. Mm-hmm. It permeates family, it permeates church, it permeates even the way in which we reflect in society, and it permeates relationships. Specifically here is relationships with enemies. And so in verse 43 of chapter 5, it says, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And so that's what Jesus is speaking of. He says, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Mm-hmm. And he continues on in verse 40, uh, 46. For, and this is what his point is. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Mm-hmm. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is this. Why do you pat yourself on the back for loving people who love you? There's nothing great about that. There's nothing significant, nothing noble about loving someone who also loves you. Do something that is counterintuitive, countercultural. That is the inverse of what the human mind mm-hmm. is going to think. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than the others? Don't, don't people who don't believe in God love people that love them? Don't people who don't love God love their family? Mm-hmm. And so what Jesus is saying is, my style of leadership, my style of organization doesn't begin with the organization. It doesn't begin with structure or with logistics. It always begins with the heart. It always begins with the individual. And you have to be like Jesus in order to be his disciple. And you have to be his disciple in order to receive the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. And so organization begins in the heart. Mm-hmm. Is, it I does. And, and I would go on to say that it, the style of Jesus' leadership creates inefficiencies according to human mm. corporate thinking, mm. right? If Jesus was a top-down authoritarian leader, there are whole chapters of church history which would not have happened the way they did, mm. right? Because instead of forcing, he draws with love. And there have been times in my life where I've looked at the church and I've said, these guys are fools. Like, why are they doing... It needs to be run this way. Boom, 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 boom. And this is my kind of like... 
this is my German Cholericness. heritage yeah. kind of like, you know. Um, we love the people of Germany, though. <laughs> oh, for sure, no. But yes. I mean, precision, right? Yes. You think of German engineering and all the beautiful things that yes. That, yes. that come from the motherland. Cars, but uh, yes. but no. But this is Blenders. Jesus. Jesus challenges every culture, and he challenges those of us who think things need to be run in a certain way, like a watch. And he gives time mm -hmm. and grace and patience in ways that challenge some of us who maybe tend to want to think like and a you, CEO. And you know, I think I think this probably because Jesus isn't about trying to make money. He's not trying to make dollars. He's about saving souls. And yes, that includes yes. the people who are working in the church, right. right? So he wants to save the pastor. He wants to save the elder, the deacon, the deaconess. He wants to save you. Mm -hmm, right. And he wants you to go out and be an instrument in the salvation of others. Mm -hmm, yeah. So if his goal was just to baptize people, like just dunk them, dunk them, dunk them, it would be different, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. It, if his goal was to get more offering, it would be different. Yeah. But he's in the soul-saving business, including the people that he's calling towards. In the profit world, it, things need to be efficient because the end goal is finances, yeah. right? So you, you need to have that, that choleric focus and you cut off all the fat and you want to be laser-line efficient. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to the church, uh, we need to be good stewards and adopt some of those principles. But at the end, the administration of everything that happens in the church must reflect the character of God. Right. So it incorporates principles of patience and long-suffering and forbearance, which are not profitable, are not efficient, and take time. Yeah. And then, like you said, to many people in the world, this is just a simple waste. Yeah. Not, not only are they not profitable or efficient, these things are not natural or endemic to the human heart. Yes. And that's where I think we get into problems when we, you know, we fall into criticism of yes. the church. Yes. You know, we need to step back and allow the spirit to criticize yeah. me and respond yes. to him. Okay. What it's, is it's a little deeper than the salvation of souls, I think, the mission of God. And I think that in many times that also causes some short-sightedness. Mm -hmm. I think God's ultimate mission is not really the salvation of, of, of souls as much as it is the reproduction of His image and humanity. Right, right. And that in itself, that in itself is an unselfish action. Mm -hmm. In other words, He's not doing that because He wants to put a stamp of approval on everything, mm -hmm. but He wants to do that because that's the ultimate way for people to experience happiness. Mm -hmm. And in Ephesians chapter 3, what I, I guess the point that I'm trying to make as we get there is that even the organizational model of leadership that Jesus does, that Jesus uses is for the purpose of revealing himself mm -hmm. and of saving souls with the purpose of stamping mm -hmm. his image in them. And so Paul... So you're in, saying that sometimes in that time, quote, wasting period is, is in many ways the Lord's version of his efficiency right. to get his will done yeah. mm -hmm. that we just can't see at yeah. that time. And, it, you know, eternal things cannot be yes, yes. finitely understood, yes, right? Yes. And so you have... Um, Chapter 3 of Ephesians. Verse 8, verse Paul is eight. speaking. He says, to me, notice how, notice how uh, counterintuitive uh, this is. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. What is the grace? The grace of preaching the gospel, of being a minister, mm -hmm. that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. How in the world God is 
What in the world is God doing that he would invest in Paul the responsibility and the grace of preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ? Mm -hmm. And then he says, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. This is a mystery. God's organizational structure is a ministry. God's purpose is a ministry ultimately. Mm -hmm. And to see the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of all ages has been hidden in God who created all things to Jesus to the intent, notice there, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to principalities. And so God says, look, I am using the church in all its folly and all its fault. I am using the church as a theater in every sense of the way through its organization and through its mission to proclaim to the world these mysteries of God, that God can take a broken system made up of broken people to produce an unbroken image, the image of God himself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this is what God does with church in its organization, yes. church in its mission, yes. church in its people. Let's take a slice of that in the, in the, in the hypothetical. Well, not hypothetical. This will happen amongst broken people, amongst sinners in God's organization. Sometimes there are kerfuffles. There are, there are hurdles and, and broken situations that happen. And there's this concept called church discipline. It's mm -hmm. a very bad word in some circles. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. That's two words. We'll go to Matthew chapter, oh, two words, two words. As one. Yeah. Chapter 18, verse Verse 15 through 20, and I'll read there, verse 15. Moreover, if Israel sins, uh, if your brother <laughs> sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector, an IRS agent. We love uh, all people of all, all professions, but here Jesus mentions about tax collecting. Siku, what's going on here? How do we, in this church organization, how does church discipline fit into this? I think going with the, the thought that's been running through here is even in situations where there's a disagreement, the way that we deal with it cannot be the way that the world would deal with hmm. it. Um, because I'll, simply to fire someone or cut them off. Right, like just fire them, just cut them off, just kick them out of the church. Yes. You know, you want nothing to do with them. The goal is we want to bring them back. We've been yeah. given this ministry of reconciliations. It talks about reconciliation. Um, so in, when there's a problem, first thing is I'm not going and backbiting and talking about somebody's business yeah. with everybody else, mm -hmm. which my confession is a lot of times if somebody hurts me, my instinct is not to go talk to them about it. I want to go bare my soul to somebody who's going to resonate with what I'm saying. But the Bible People is saying... People of inverse. <laughs> right? But the Bible is saying that I need to go to the person who's hurt me or the person that I've got an issue with. Like your older sister. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> We've talked this out yes, and we yes, have Yes, yes, okay, okay. okay. Um, but I need to resolve it with that person individually. Mm -hmm. And if it can't be resolved, I bring in one other person. And this is kind of it's protective of the individual who's done wrong. Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying not to put their business out there because I want them to have an opportunity mm -hmm. to, to be redeemed, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's not the way that the world deals with it because, you know, we're about not just soul saving, but reflecting the image of God. Yes. So even in church discipline, even when there are kerfuffles, mistakes been made, there is a way that Jesus has prescribed in the kingdom of God on how to deal with these people, these situations, these scenarios, so that all people are redeemed in the end. 
I don't know about you, but I've been very blessed by this conversation and to learn how the church works, so how the church works, uh, how church leadership works, and hopefully you've been blessed. I know we have been. So thank you for joining us on Inverse. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.